0: You're listening to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans, for Ohio State fans. On Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Welcome back to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans, for (laughs) Ohio State fans. From the West Coast, I'm your host, Zach Moore. Today is Thursday, January 6th. And I'm very happy to be joined once again by fellow South Stands contributor Paige Van Horn from Denver. PVH, how's that first Heineken going down, buddy? Oh, it's going down just gloriously, buddy. <laughs> COVID-free. Not a care in the world. <laughs> All right. I guess the question is, is that your first Heineken? Maybe maybe you're you're a little further along than... No, oh, it is my first hike post-COVID? That's a ridiculous question.
1: It's about my 400th since I had COVID.
0: <laughs> yeah. We're also joined by fellow South Stance contributor, Chad Plummer from Cleveland. CP, what's the word from the 216? Not too much, boys.
2: Not too much. It's uh, bitter cold. It's about eight degrees here oh. in the Cleveland. The oh 216. It's not cool, man.
0: <laughs> man. I am just not accustomed to that kind of cold anymore. I don't even know what I would, how I'd respond to that kind of cold. I mean, it's been like in the low forties here. And we're all like, "Oh, it's freezing. Oh my God. Let's turn the heat on. Uh, so my blunt is yeah. thinned out, uh, since I moved from Ohio, we are here of course, to have a second look at Ohio state's 48 45 comeback win over Utah in the Rose bowl, because Chad and Paige, you guys did not have an opportunity, uh, yet to, uh, to, to, give us your thoughts on the result of, of that game. And then I'd also like to have a peek ahead to the Buckeyes 2022 season for a few minutes. If you guys will indulge me, but before we get into that, some pretty big news today. Offensive line coach Greg Stodrawa has been informed by Ryan Day that after six seasons with the program, he will not be retained. Stud joins Matt Barnes, who left to be defensive coordinator at Memphis, as the second assistant to part ways with the program since the Rose Bowl. Paige, I want to start with you. You have to be delighted, my friend. <laughs> uh, why don't you give me your thoughts both on Stud and Barnes moving on?
1: I mean, it's never cool when people get fired or, you know, so it's not, I don't take that much joy in it. Um, I do think, I think it's important. I think, um, the offensive line was definitely one area that did not excel this year. And we thought, I mean, you know, at one point that was the best unit perhaps in the entire country. Mm -hmm. Um, and as good as they were in pass protection, they weren't very good in pass protection against Michigan. And I do think they, you know, yeah, Trayvon got nicked up and maybe he was had, a, you know, feeling some wear by the end of the season, but I don't think there were big holes for him to run through that that offensive line was generating, you know, in the latter part of the season and even in the Rose bowl for that matter. Mm -hmm. Um, And we, you and I, you and I talked about it yesterday. And again, I don't know nearly enough about football to understand, you know, Hey, the true nuances of offensive guards versus offensive tackles, but it dawned on me, like looking back on this season, and I'm not really answering your question, but man, like the guy they might've missed most from last year is like, perhaps Wyatt Davis, right? Yeah. Just that junkyard dog guard that is just going to open up holes there. I guess they're a little shorter and, you know, not, um, you know, they, they just get in there and mix it up more. I, I think it's a good thing. I, you know, I think it, it, it absolutely um, is the right decision. And then the last thing I'll say about it is, you know, I do think it speaks volumes to Ryan day's commitment To literally actually being, you know, the head coach at Ohio State. There's some rumors out there that, you know, he's a candidate for some NFL jobs. I don't think you're making all these moves if you're destined for the NFL. And I think that's a, that's sort of like an intangible positive sign. So, hey, I wish Stud the best, Um, you know, it'd be interesting uh, moving forward who the new guy is and what schemes they come up with. But I do think it's a, it's definitely a positive move.
0: Yeah. I, I think so too. How about you, Chad? Any thoughts on either stud or Matt Barnes moving on? You want to share? Not really. Um, <laughs> <laughs> obviously. I mean, you
2: know, I've gone back and forth on this. And I think I was a, a, a big backer of stud a couple of years ago. I mean, obviously the guy can recruit um, you know, with some of the offensive linemen that he brought in. Um, but, you know, I just think there was some very questionable decisions made this year. Um, and, you know, it all goes back to what I've said, and I hope another one on that list. Um, I've been saying a couple of nonchalant prayers about Al Washington being removed as well, but, uh, with regards to that and Stud, it's player development. Yeah. And I'm not quite sure. Well, I, I'm pretty sure that uh, it's not living up to the fullest potential of these kids. Um, so, you know, as far as Matt Barnes goes, hey, good for him. What's he uh, going to be the defensive DCA coordinator? At Memphis. Memphis. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So good for him. I mean, you know, he came in, had that thrown on him, you know, when uh, after the Oregon loss. And I think he um, I mean, did a little bit better, um, mm-hmm. but, you know, good for him. Um I'm not going to lose any sleep over those two being gone. I just want Washington to be gone as well and uh, I'll be happy.
0: Yeah, you have to think in the case of Stud, you know, and we talked about this before. The the mixed results all season from starting four tackles on the offensive line was probably a, a, at least some of a somewhat of a factor in in the final result here. Um, And the dreadful performance by the offensive line against Michigan. I I don't know. I mean, it it didn't look like there was any plan for dealing with Hutchinson or Ojabo in that game. And that might have very well have been the last nail in the coffin um, for Stud. I was actually listening to the the Buckeye Talk podcast today. They were talking about, about Stud being let go. And... Uh, Le Maurice actually feels like it is largely around recruiting that he was let go. While there were some big recruiting wins over the last couple of years with Stardrawa, Le Maurice said that um, it was kind of a team effort. It wasn't all stud. And in, times, and in some cases, he had to be kind of prodded to get out there. And he really wasn't doing the work that he needed to do to kind of really stay connected to recruits. He, t- he, One thing that he did say, and this is kind of funny, it's a small thing, but I think it really speaks to what you have to do in this day and age to stay connected to kids is. He was terrible about using Twitter, which seems really stupid. But I mean, you know, again, in this day and age, this is how, this is how these kids, uh, you know, stay connected to what's going on. And, and he also did have back surgery during the offseason as well. And probably just a good time to move on from stud. I don't think he was terrible. Like, I don't think he was an abject failure like, you know, Bill Davis was at linebacker coach. But it just seemed like the time was right to move on from stud, um, I think. And um, so I'm happy to see that. Now, the, the name I keep hearing, is uh, Justin Fry? He is currently the both the offensive coordinator and offensive line coach at UCLA. And Day has a connection to Fry. They both coach together at Temple and at Boston College. And you know they both come off the Chip Kelly coaching tree. So uh, actually, what I'm hearing is uh, at least one fan site is reporting that it's a done deal and that Justin Fry is going to be the next offensive line coach. But uh, nothing finalized yet. That's just what I'm hearing. Fry might be the the that's, next guy that's- in line that's funny cuz you
2: know like there's uh, very strong legs to Caleb Williams actually going to US- UCLA really so maybe interesting. chips thinking about bringing another offensive coordinator in there that's going to or just take it over himself ah, interesting yeah
0: that that would make sense if that's if that's going to happen interesting okay all right well let's let's have a look up, uh, back at the Rose Bowl fellas um you know the Buckeyes as we all know bounce back from probably their worst half of football all season. Certainly we can say that for the defense and overcame a 14-point halftime deficit to beat the Utes in the Rose Bowl, 48-45. Paige, i got a question for you. Now, I believe your grade for the 2021 season was somewhere between a D and an F. (laughs) Did that win in the Rose Bowl do anything to change your grade for the 2021 season? Oh, maybe.
1: I mean, I I think uh, (sighs) – For the overall season, okay, yeah. I mean, maybe I was a little harsh. I can take him up to a D plus. <laughs> okay. Oh,
2: page yes. from from just an abject failure. Um, <laughs> no, I. I I'm not taking them to a D plus. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Chad,
0: let me get your. So so how about you? Would you change your grade? I believe you used the words "epic failure" to describe the 2021 season. <laughs> well, I'm I would- not quite sure that I used
2: "epic failure," but I think somebody else like made it like out like I was saying it was an epic failure. <laughs> I say I think it was a, a failure by like all means, but. Epic. That's a little aggressive. Okay. Um, so, would you change your grade? Would you up? Would you give the? I would probably take it from an F to. I mean, you know what? It's really hard because I'm like to, that game is like just gave us a glimpse of of the future. Right. And I mean, it was like a lobby and and Wilson. Who? You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, that was kind of cool. But you know, I mean, that that's exciting. Um, but you know that that really really doesn't do it for
0: me. I mean, I might take him up to a, a D. Uh, okay, i D I'll go there. Okay. Hold that <laughs> thought CP. I'm going to, I'm going to get back to you in a moment. Paige, I'm going to kick this back to you. Obviously a lot of fireworks in the Rose bowl on Saturday, the stands were packed. Thanks largely to Utah fans. Of course, both teams combined for 93 points, 1,146 yards of offense records were broken. Dudes were being carted off the field. Each team had targeting ejections. Both teams were shorthanded, had to use offensive players on defense. What did you see on Saturday afternoon in the Rose Bowl that stood out, Paige?
1: Before I answer that, I think the interesting thing is, you know, when you're in a game like that and you're not in the playoffs, Mm -hmm. it it is kind of – um, You know, it, it it's a win-win, right? Like the whole first half, I'm like, who gives a shit? It doesn't even matter, right? Like <laughs> this is just reinforcement of just the abject, utter failure of this team this year. I, I hope, does it really matter, you know, <laughs> that they lose this game? Um, And I was exceptionally calm through just, you know, witnessing that defensive performance and then the special teams performance in the first half. Um and you just kind of don't really give a shit. Like, if that was a semifinal game, we would have been losing, or I would have been losing my mind, I'm presuming everyone else. Oh, yeah, for sure. In Buckeye Nation would have been losing my mind. So I was actually just, I was I was kind of laughing, through. right? You just uh-huh. almost had to laugh at it. Right. But then, you know, and we talked about it. At, at, at halftime, it just kind of dawned on me. It's like, you know, it, it reminded me of watching a basketball game or, or, or anything type of situation in sports where one team just does absolutely everything right. And they're like launching shots, maybe from half court. And it goes in and it's like, you know what, man, if you're going to do that, then I, you know, I, I tip my cap to you're you going to win this game. Right. (laughs) You know, we have turnovers, we give up a touchdown off a kickoff. Um, But I just didn't think they could keep it up and, you know, we could see what a high state could do on offense and they can score at well. And so I, you know, I just had this strange confidence that somehow they would come back and win it. Mm-hmm. Um I think I I think to answer your question though, it kind of comes back to, you know, how many national championships have we left on the table by not having a competent defense over the last what, yeah. since 2014, 2015? It's it's really frustrating, embarrassing. Um, and you know like i've said a thousand times right you don't have to have a top 10 defense but you're a high state you can't be ranked 100 in total defense it's just not okay it's just not you know there's no excuse yeah it's completely unacceptable right um and it, it goes back to you know that team never reached its ceiling because they're constantly being held back by atrocious defenses and so obviously we're going to look to the future and hopefully that's a thing of the past so it, it kind of is frustrating in that regard um the offense i mean i how do you not and chad alluded to it like dude harrison jr and buka are going to be as good or even not better than the two guys that are going to be first round draft picks and that's not that's not hyperbole that's no. it, it's insane it's insane and and then the last thing I will say, and it goes, you know, I'm tired of the argument of these coaches that underachieve and like they're good recruiters. That's horseshit. Anybody can recruit at a high State. My dog Bronx, the freaking French Bulldog can recruit at Ohio Bronx. State. Kids want to play there. Look at Brian Hartline. Look no further. Why not go get Orlando Pace to be our offensive line coach, for Christ's sake, if this guy from <laughs> UCLA doesn't work out? Right. I talked about larynitis probably one time over the last three years. Guess what? He's going to be at Notre Dame. Yeah. So, you know, fix that
0: problem, and they'll have a national championship within two years. Chad, how about you? What, what did you see on Saturday in the Rose Bowl that really stood out to you?
2: Well, you know, it's so funny. guys. I mean, normally that would have been, you know, that. Just the way that game started, I would have just been chain smoking, (laughs) throwing shit, like just (laughs) yelling. And I I just was like, so the the coup had her, um, you know, a couple of her daughters and one of their boyfriends and her son and his girlfriend over here. And I I was like, just as calm as could be. I was like, you know what? This is just, I mean, I, I mean, obviously as I'm doing right now, I rub my forehead quite often. Like but it's just like i didn't get upset i was just like you know what this is just this the this is icing on the cake for what our season ended up playing out to be but you know i you know i was sitting there thinking to myself like you know I, we've been strong in the second half more than uh, a couple occasions this season
0: mm-hmm.
2: and i was like you know, they're out everything, like Paige that everything is going their way. It's just like, you know, like whatever, a basketball player sh- making every shot or a golfer, like rolling in every putt. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. we're just, everything they were doing was right. And I was like, just sitting there thinking to myself, you know what, I'm not like, I, I'm, not, I'm just going to sit here and just like, just watch it unfold. But I was like, do they have enough like to, you know, keep up with the speed and the other things, the intangibles uh, in the second half? So I kind of like, you know, took a couple deep breaths and I'm like, all right, well, I don't think they do. Let's see what happens. But, uh, you know, it's like, it's just, it's frustrating, man. And and I think we talked about this like um, a couple of times. I know I talked with you, Zach, last week about just the fact that when, who who was the last big linebacker that we had at Ohio State? Yeah. I mean, really, you think about it. Like, I mean, I'd look, think back, and I'm like,
0: "Wow! I mean, you know,
2: the, the last names playmaker, Passmore, the, the, nose, yeah, the last yeah, guy yeah, that like made legit. like eye
0: popping plays. I mean, I'd have to go all the way back to like, I don't know, that's not going too far back, but Jerome Baker was the last guy that made yes, a lot of just Baker big plays, right? Creating turnovers, pick sixes, fumble recoveries, yep. um, yeah. And, I mean, and he wasn't even the best of them by far, right? But right. he's the last one that I can remember that was that you felt his presence. Uh, Right. And and you know what? And
2: that's, that's where I go back to like Washington, which really just the player development is just, it's so piss poor. That's what I, I have a problem with. And and I hope because we've got some really good young kids at linebacker and we've got two, a couple kids coming in like CJ Hicks and Gabe Powers and those guys. Mm-hmm. I just hope that they get developed because, you know what I mean? It's just, it's embarrassing to have, like, you can't even say, like, I mean, nobody in anywhere else on any other, like, you know, fan from any other conference or whatever could name one linebacker at Ohio State. You know what I mean? It's just it, it's sad, and I just I I can't get myself
0: over it. But so, it, but anyway. the irony the irony is the defensive MVP for the Rose Bowl was Tommy Eichenberg.
2: I know <laughs> but, I know. But no, I mean, I think crazy. we're all
0: with you. We're following you, right? The defense and and Paige, you made reference to this as well. Defense was a major disappointment in the first half. They did come to life in the second half, though. We'll talk about that in a second. Chad, how about anything else that that stood out to you from from Saturday? No, you want to mention? I mean,
2: it just you know I i i there was missed tackles um i mean you know i know we'll probably get to the offense but they're just they were they, they were playing ball i mean the offensive line they stepped up they played as a unit you know i mean like Mayan, went like you know i know like meatball he got in there he had some nice runs got the little spark going for uh the run game there but uh how about, yeah. about CJ Stroud's run in the first half, Chad? Oh, I'm happy. glad you said that because I totally forgot about it. Like that was the key. he got a nice first down. He picked that, that was ball a big up. third. That was a well, big it first. was yeah. That was their first was scoring open.
0: drive, and it really yeah. kind of yeah. helped spark them. Um, Thank you the, for bringing that up there. Yeah, ten yard gain. Back. I think it was on second long. He gave him, he got him ten yards to to, to convert the first down, and then shortly after that, he hit Emeka Buka down the sideline for that nice thirty yard uh, reception where Buka kind of tightrope the sideline. And uh, honestly, I think after that point, Ohio State offensively never really looked back. I mean, right. that that really sparked just, the offense. Let's just hope
2: that we get like, and I really, I know we were going to talk to him a little bit, like about him a little bit, but I, I really, you know, just from what I've read and I, I I've read quite a bit, I'm really excited. I'm, i I've got a positive outlook moving forward with Knowles, just what I've read about him. Oh yeah. I think it's just going to be a, a more disciplined, like hard nose, like play like football shit, like he's going to bring in here. So I'm hoping that that's what the case is. And uh, I mean, it just how nice would it be to have two units that you can count on? We know our offense is going to go out there and can play and score on anybody. Mm-hmm. I just want to see the defense be able to like actually stop somebody, you know, like just.
0: Yeah. You know, know. it was really interesting because the defense, I they think they had some stops. Well, right. Well, first of all, I didn't think that they could sink any lower than the Michigan game. And I and I think (laughs) they actually reached their lowest point of the season in the first half on that long touchdown run. Okay, let me pause you there. Yeah, is that the
1: lowest
0: you've seen going back to say the 2018 team, the Purdue game? Yeah. Well, that's the, the and I and I mentioned this on Sunday's pod, and I made the comparison to the very end of the blowout Purdue loss when Rondell Moore. Uh, broke like 17 tackles to score Mm -hmm. uh, a touchdown. And it was some of the worst effort I've ever seen in my life. And uh, he got spun around and the defensive back just let him go and kind of released him toward the end zone. So, yeah, I mean, it was that kind of a low. And uh, it it was after Rising ripped off that 62-yard touchdown run. And I think he broke the tackle of Taraji Mitchell. Had no business, by the way, being out there playing. He had some giant wrap around his leg. But, you know, a bunch of Buckeyes had a shot at him. He breaks free, runs untouched down the sidelines. I thought that was the lowest point of the season for the Ohio State defense right there. And I tweeted out uh, from the, the South State's Twitter account that I thought it was an utter disgrace to the Silver Bullet legacy at Ohio State. I was embarrassed to be an Ohio State fan at that stage. So, I mean, I, it, it couldn't have gotten any lower. That was rock bottom for the Ohio State defense. And then they go into the half. And and come out in the second half, and they're completely transformed as a defense, which is amazing to me if you consider. I mean, it was miraculous, really, and I, I don't think I'm, I'm being hyperbolic. Consider this. I mean, they started the game without their two best players at the three technique, Haskell Garrett and Antoine Jackson. Garrett was an opt-out, as you guys know. Antoine Jackson was injured. Down their starting middle linebacker, Cody Simon. No Javante Jean-Baptiste, very important rotational player at defensive end. Marcus Williamson, sounds like maybe he was uh, you know, being disciplined. He didn't make the trip. He was probably their best cover safety. Then during the course of the game, they lose Jack Sawyer in the first half to a targeting ejection. Shortly after that, they they lose Lathan Ransom to that horrible, gruesome injury. Prayers up for Ransom, by the way. So you consider they've lost all that personnel. Either to start the game, they lose two more important players during the course of the first half. I just let me throw a couple numbers here to you guys. Utah offense in the first half, 324 total yards, 8.1 yards per play. 28 points scored by the Utah offense, and then in addition to that is the 97-yard kick return for a touchdown. So the the story comes out after the game. Demario McCall gives an impassioned speech at halftime to the defense. I think that's awesome. I think that's great. Defense comes out in the second half. The Utah offense, 139 total yards, 4.96 yards per play, and only 10 points. If you look at the fourth quarter, Utah offense, only 53 yards, 4.41 yards per play. So I just think that's miraculous that the Ohio State defense, you know, hit that emotional rock bottom at the end of the first half. They're down serious personnel to start the game. They lose even more personnel during the game. And then they come out in the second half and do that. I have a theory why that happened, though. Sure, go well, ahead. Yeah, Because go ahead. our
1: third fucking string defensive player is better than any other player on Utah. <laughs> it's just it, – yeah. it, all, it all comes down yeah. to coaching and scheme. It's yeah. really – on on defense, it's not that hard. My guy, here here, you, you know, like you just guard him. You guard him. You do this. You right. got the line back. You've got the running back, and you'll be fine. And I take no credit for this, but I thought it was really funny. I think it was Landis who said it. Like once again, Ohio State defenders are just covering grass.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> I saw that tweet too.
1: Yeah. yeah. You know, it's just like, it's not that hard on defense, right? I mean, yeah, there can be some misdirections and they can cause some confusion. But like, you know, again, like when you have tough Borland trying to guard Devontae Smith in a national championship game, like <laughs> that's a bad idea. It's coaching, just, put, right. just put Ward on him wherever he goes and you live and die with it. And right. I think they just kindly figured it out. I think they did think do they that. Kind of figured it out. And yeah. I, you know. It's, but I give them credit, totally give them credit. They were awesome in that. I forgot about uh, Hickman's like that stop, big on fourth fourth down, stop. That was
0: huge. Yeah, that was
1: huge. You know, it's like, you've got to make those plays. And they had some good tackles for loss. We didn't see those all year, but come on. It, it, there's no excuse for, our, yeah. our, you know, they recruit pretty well on the defensive side of the ball at a high state, just like they do
0: on offense. Yeah, no, you're right. And you know what? I, I don't know this to uh, to actually be true, but I could swear Ohio State played more man coverage in the second half, and they took away a lot of those absurdly easy completions that Rising was making against that really soft zone coverage. To me, that seemed to make a difference. And then they just played harder. And you, the, uh, the other thing I thought you were going to say when you, when you mentioned you had a theory about this was that maybe some of the guys a little further down the depth chart are better than the guys who are, that they've been playing. A player like Cade uh, Stover. Right, who's been playing tight end the whole season? He might be a better linebacker than anybody that's been playing at that position all season long. Court Williams, another guy they've been talking about him all season, haven't been able to find a role for him. Well, he comes in, he he gives him a big sack right in the second half, knocks out Rising on the play. So maybe it was also too the guys. Who you know who might turn out to be better players actually got an opportunity in this game, and that's why they played a little Farm bit better in second bitch half. a on that quarterback. Ugh. Well, hey, look, he seems like a good kid and everything. I mean, you know, I, you hate to, you don't want to wish that kind of an injury on no, in the kid. That was no, a really scary him, injury, but, like, but you know, just—he was you know. a little chesty, but you know, he didn't, he didn't, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> he's
2: a hot dog prancing down the fucking sideline like he's <laughs> Deion Sanders. Come on, dude.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, he definitely—he uh, took a shot there. That was scary. You could tell he was concussed for sure. Another thing that I, I wanted to, to, to echo what, what you had said, I, I believe, Paige, was, you know, just the play of CJ Stroud and Jackson Smith and Jigba together. Uh, you know, I really felt the Rose Bowl validated both, well, especially Stroud, but also Jackson Smith and Jigba as really truly great players in their own rights. I think for much of the season, you know, the book on CJ Stroud both within the Ohio State fan base and, and outside of it was that his production was largely the byproduct of having Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave to throw to. But, you know, no Wilson or Olave in the Rose Bowl. Stroud completes 80% of his passes, 573 yards and six touchdowns. I mean, in the fourth quarter with the game on the line, Stroud was 14 of 15 for 165 <laughs> yards and two touchdowns. I mean, he was dropping balls in buckets all game long. I mean, I could count 10 throws that were NFL throws. Like, oh my God, how did he complete that? He was an absolute surgeon. And it, some people say, well, okay, but he you know, he's throwing to Jackson Smith and Jigba, which is true. He was his primary target. However, Stroud completed 22 other throws to six other receivers for 226 yards and three touchdowns. So he really s- spread the ball around seven different receivers. I think this is a validating performance for CJ Stroud. He really stands on his own merits as a great quarterback. And I think you could also say the same thing of Jackson Smith and Jigbo, right? Now, with that performance Dude. and the way he performed down the stretch of the the second half of the season, the, the huge numbers he put up, I mean, he clearly stands on his own merits as one of the greatest to ever played at Ohio State. And, oh, yeah. and I mean, like in my view, he can stand shoulder to shoulder, not just with Wilson and Olave, but Chris Carter, Terry Glenn, David Boston, Michael Thomas. I mean, he's every yeah. bit as good as those guys. So that was another big felt, takeaway, right? Felt bad for him, man, on that
2: fumble because that that uh Defe- Clark like, Phillips, like man. Clark he was Williams. good. Like Phillips, yeah. He
0: like he was like an Ohio State commit. And, and he uh, had a pick in the end zone too. Phillips actually yeah. played really well for Utah. You yeah. can see what damn, he'd have looked damn he, nice in a scarlet and gray, wouldn't he? It's Phillips oh, is a hell of a man. player.
2: But that was a, that that was like how you're supposed to do it, like that technique. I mean, he grabbed his left arm so he couldn't wrap the ball up and then knocked it out. I mean, I, yeah. you gotta give him props, but I felt bad. Smith was on the sideline. He was bummed out, man.
0: Yeah, well, you know, it turned out he'd, he'd more than make up for it, man. He was awesome. Uh, on the topic of the Ohio State linebackers, one other observation I want to share with you guys, and then we can, um, we can move on here. But, you know, I got to give Tommy Eikenberg a little bit of credit. Um, initially, when I saw that he had won the defensive MVP, I was like, oh, yeah, right, making – he got 17 tackles, but, like, there were eight or nine yards downfield every time. But that actually wasn't true. I mean, you know, Ohio State, when they got the ball to start the third quarter – you know, within three plays, they're knocking on the door at the Utah 20 and then Stroud throws that pick in the end zone to Clark Phillips. I mean, think about where Ohio State was mentally at that stage, right? They're down 14. They had just had that play that you mentioned, uh, Chad, in the second quarter where Smith and Jigba gets the ball punched out by Phillips as he's heading into the end zone. Now the interception in the end zone. Utah has the ball again. They're up 14. I mean, and then on their first play from scrimmage after that, Eichenberg shoots the gap on Utah's first play, dumps Tavian Thomas for a five-yard loss. It puts them behind the chains there, puts Utah off schedule, and then they would eventually punt, and that was when the punter muffed the snap. Ohio State falls on it. They scored to cut the lead to seven. That was absolutely huge. I got to give wow. Eichenberg credit for the response there and turning in a big play. How many times have we seen that this year, guys? I linebackers shooting the gap and dumping a guy Less for a loss. five. Right. You can count on one hand the number of times <laughs> that happened. And then Eichenberg on Utah's possession. next possession after that, They had first and 10 at the Ohio State 11. Eichenberg stops Mike Bernard for a one-yard gain on first down. Then he cuts down that quick little receiver who had the kick return for a touchdown, Britton Covey, on a jet sweep for a two-yard gain. Utah is suddenly third and long. They end up having to settle for a field goal on that drive, which I thought was huge. And it was actually at that point where I thought Ohio State had a legit shot. They got the stop. They forced the field goal. And that's when I really started to believe Ohio State – had a chance to win. so I give credit to Eichenberg, man. He came up with some big plays in the second half. Now, here's a question for you guys about Eichenberg though. What are the chances he gets the Brendan White treatment, right? Rose Bowl MVP, (laughs) but the following season, new coordinator, new defense, White's out. He ends up transferring. What do you think that – I mean, probably a pretty good chance that Eichenberg gets the, the Brendan White treatment, right? What do you think, Paige?
1: Yeah, but like, okay, who, I mean, who's who's going to take his job? I mean, yeah. okay, yeah, we talk about C.J. Hicks. He's a freshman. Yeah. It, since Andy Katzemore, that really doesn't happen. Maybe Shazier, I asked that question before, like when's the last time a yep. another freshman linebacker comes in and makes a huge impact? Very rare. Very rare. It's rare. I, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's possible. I get your point. I, I, I definitely think it is, but I just don't know that they have the depth at that position unless they go out and get somebody – you know, in the portal, then it's possible. But I do think, you know, I I still think that is maybe the biggest question mark going into next season. Again, it's going to be linebacker play. So, yeah, maybe
0: possible. I don't know. The other thing, too, is, look, you've got Wisconsin and Iowa on the schedule next year in addition to Michigan. And Eichenberg is the kind of player you're going to need in a game like that. Um, I, I would think there's a role for him if Knowles puts him in the right position. Yeah, I I, I think <clears throat> I think he'll be uh a, a big part of the defense next
2: year. I mean, okay. I don't think Knowles is gonna come in and like take him out. I mean, you've got uh Reed Carico, who I think like if you get somebody like Knowles in, like again, like these kids are not getting developed properly. I think Reed Carico, that kid was a stud. He's he's got potential, mm-hmm. you know. <clears throat> and then you've got Cody X. Simon. I don't know what he's gonna do. Um, but uh Mitchell Melton, who was hurt, that kid was is, uh, you know, got a lot of talent too. Um, but like, you know, his playing time was limited this year due to injury.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Diamante yeah. Trainham, the transfer from Arizona State. Uh, he's oh yeah, he's that, converting yes. from running back to linebacker, but this was a dude in Ak- at Akron Hoban. It was actually a legit linebacker prospect. He had a lot of power five offers to play linebacker. He might he might be I think, a factor yeah. in, line, I think in linebacker that's be for an- them.
2: Now, but, what about, um, I know this, like, what I never say his name, alta or whatever. Yeah, he's Neoteote.
0: Been, yeah, I, he's got kind of a year of eligibility, correct? He does. I think he has to make a decision. And he's another guy. I mean, I think they have plenty of bodies, yeah. right? To to have some competition in that room. I, right. But I agree with you. You said it at the top, Chad. I, I think they need new leadership in that room. Yeah. Uh, I think I do think f- C.J. Hicks will. If he's not starting at the beginning there, he will be starting by the third or fourth game. I think given his recruiting profile, Paige, you make a good point, right? It's it's very rare that you see freshmen start at, at linebacker. But he has the recruiting profile of a player that could do it. I'm actually hopeful that he's at least in the rotation, Hicks, because I'm with you, Chad. I, I'd, be, I'd be disappointed if he's not. All right. Guys, anything else you want to share from the Rose Bowl before we kind of peek ahead to the 2022 season? Paige, you got anything else you want to share?
1: yeah i think two things number one uh i think we forget that stroud was a first-year starter yep man i i'd be pretty goddamn scared of that guy next year oh my god um in you know yeah if the game slows down even just a fraction more for him um man this the ceiling for him is is frightening, frightening. And the other thing is, I don't think it was a meaningless win. I do think it does matter. Um, you know, the fact that those young guys played is always huge for the next season. But I do think, you know, you, like sometimes it's just coach speak or hyperbole and like, yeah, this is huge for us going into next season. I, I kind of think it is because that team is so young and they showed a, hell yeah. a lot of resilience and they came back and won that game. It's still the Rose Bowl. And I do think it'll translate. I think it, you know, I mean, I just think about all off season and, you know, training and all that stuff. And, you know, what is, where's your headspace on that coming off of two losses? You got blown out, especially like you had talked about that, Zach, like just don't get blown out. Right. You know, that, that could have knocked them back on their heels. The fact that they came back and won that game. I do think it's important. I think it matters. I agree. And I think it does set them up for next year.
0: I totally agree. I was listening to, you know, our old, our old buddy, Doug Maurice talk about this. He had, he had a different view of it, which was. You know, he used the 2013 season as an example, right? Ohio State gets upset in the Big Ten title game by Michigan State, and they don't – you know, they, they miss the BCS title game. Then they go to the Orange Bowl and play a quote-unquote meaningless game with Clemson. They lose that game too, uh, you know, so they're, they're they're coming into this the, the following season on a two-game losing streak. But then they ended up winning the national championship. And it, his, you know, he was using that example as an, uh, to illustrate his point, which was that, eh, I don't know, they could have lost and they could have even lost convincingly against Utah, and it wouldn't have mattered because you've got Jim Knowles coming in. You wipe the slate clean. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're not going to uh, write the ship the following year. But I agree with you. I think it's that the win was huge for momentum into the 2022 season, and it was huge that it was first and second year players leading them uh, to that win. Let's, uh, let's just spend a few minutes here. I, we're, I know we're about coming up in about 45 minutes here, but why don't we spend a few minutes looking ahead to next season. Um, we've got two pretty big draft eligible players yet to make their NFL decisions as defensive end Zach Harrison and right tackle Dewan Jones. But from what I've been hearing, and guys tell me if you've been hearing anything differently, it seems like there's a good chance both of them come back next season. And if that happens – uh, on offense, nine of the 11 starters who started the Rose Bowl uh, would return, including Stroud, Smith and Jigba, Marvin Harrison uh, Jr., Julian Fleming, Travion Henderson, Luke Whippler, Matthew Jones, Paris Johnson Jr. and Dewan Jones. So that's four of five starters on the offensive line. And you add to that group Emeka Ibuka, who I think is going to take Julian Fleming's spot, by the way. I think Julian Fleming is going to have to be happy with being the fourth guy in that rotation. Uh, he's going to be the number one guy in Michigan. Uh, yeah, right. I, yeah, I, I would, I'm on alert for him to the transfer portal. But technically, he's a returning starter. Abuka uh, comes back as well. And then you also add sophomore guard Donovan Jackson. He was a very highly rated guard in the, in the 2021 class. He could potentially start at one of the guard spots. And then we're going to get Harry Miller back as well, fellas, from injury. So a lot yeah. of returning talent and experience on offense, at least – Nine starters, we're going to be fine there. Uh, defense from the the starting eleven at the Rose Bowl, I count eight of eleven. Uh, now we're not sure every single one of these guys is actually going to have a role in Jim Knowles' defense, but those players are Denzel Burke and Cam Brown at corner, Ronnie Hickman, Bryson Shaw at safety. Court Williams, who's kind of like that. Yeah, right. Shaw, I I think, would be one of the odd men out, I I would guess. Uh, Court Williams, who's kind of a safety hybrid uh, linebacker type. Zach Harrison, we think. Steel Chambers. Cade Stover, assuming he stays at linebacker. I actually kind of like what I saw out of Stover in the Rose Bowl. So uh, it could be as many as 10 if Jerron Cage comes back. He was technically a starter. Uh, he would be a super senior, Cage would, if he wanted to come back for a sixth year. Teron Vincent is another guy uh, who would be a fifth year senior. I think Vincent comes back. So it could be as many as 10. Of the eleven who started the Rose Bowl, I count at least eight, and then you add to that group Cody Simon who was injured, and then technically Lathan Ransom, but I honestly think Ransom's probably going to miss the whole season. That that uh, injury looked pretty gruesome. So a yeah. lot of returning talent and experience, and then on special teams Noah Ruggles uh, will have one more year of eligibility Ruggles. left. He was good for them point. this year, right? And then Jesse Merko, the punter, he was only a freshman, so he's. I think you figure they're both back. Then a, a couple of young players that we expect to take a leap, right? JT Tui Malo out, Jack Sawyer, Tyleek Williams, Ja'Kalen Johnson, Jordan Hancock at corner. Now those guys didn't play much, but badass. very talented, those right? Are all badass, badass those guys listed right there. Incoming freshman CJ Hicks, we talked about him briefly at linebacker. Sonny Styles, who uh, badass. safety, badass could even play linebacker for them. So all those names I just mentioned, guys future would seem to be very, very bright. Uh, Paige, I want to kick this to you. What are you expecting out of Ohio State in 2022, given all those names that I've just mentioned? Wow, that was like arousing, Zach. I'm pretty excited for (laughs) (laughs) that. Yeah,
1: I felt movement. (laughs) It's always the same expectations. It's always the same. Always the same, I mean- it's at least minimum playoff, and then try and win a national championship. And yeah. they, I, I mean, anything less than that will be a bummer. I wouldn't say it's a failure. I don't want to be, yeah. But oh no, I it's mean, playoff uh, or bust. Yeah. It's, oh yeah. I mean, that's that's astonishing. Um, how you know the guys you just named off. I mean, like you named off what eight eight of the starters on defense, and two of the best ones might be Sawyer and, and JT Tumalua, and you know, right, like right. that the one not even in your first sort of run down there Mm -hmm. um all we need is a good defense that's it that's all we need offense will not skip a beat i in fact i expect it to take the next level with um you know the run game getting sort of well the offensive line getting sort of squared away and so yeah it's playoff for sure the schedule is rough interesting yeah um it's funny they get those two crossover games i read that earlier today and you mentioned it earlier what's it's iowa and wisconsin like that's the that's the gauntlet in the big 10 but i think they're both in columbus they're both in columbus that's right
0: yeah yeah so it's michigan
1: yeah they go to happy valley Mm -hmm. um so yeah i mean as long as uh you know nothing crazy happens between now and then it's definitely playoffs and that team is set up to win a national championship.
0: I totally agree. Chad, before I kick it to you, I also want to add two transfer portal additions. I've already mentioned Diamante Trainum, the transfer from Arizona State. Really interesting player, Trainham. Uh, he ran for 692 yards and 10 touchdowns in two seasons at Arizona State, 5.5 yards per carry, but you know, he's not going to play running back at Ohio State. Uh, he's going to play linebacker for Jim Knowles. Now, at, at Akron Hoban, he played all over the field, Run, uh, running back, linebacker, and safety. He had legit power five offers out of high school to play linebacker. He's five foot eleven, two thirty five. To me, he re- he's very reminiscent of Brian Roll. You guys remember Brian Roll played two thousand nine, two thousand ten. Little yeah. short, oh, yeah, undersized, man. but really good athlete, fast. And uh, interestingly, at two thirty five, man, he already has a linebacker body. He's not like Steel Chambers, who's still kind of playing at a running back. Uh, weight of 220. I mean, He's a great short area quickness. Look him up on YouTube and watch some of his high school tape on defense. I'm telling you, man, you, I, I swear it, he's a Brian Roll clone. Very interesting addition. And then uh, one other transfer portal addition just announced this past week. Safety cornerback Tanner McAllister from Oklahoma State played. It was a two-year starter for Jim Knowles on that defense. He has a solid 68.0 PFF grade. Uh, played just under 700 snaps for Oklahoma State. Bill Landis said that McAllister is likely to play kind of a slot corner cover safety type role. So similar to what um, yeah, uh, Lathan Ransom played for Ohio State, right? I mean, you know, on paper, like, damn.
2: And, you know, I guess I, I, I've i been like kind of like on the, on the fence with the uh, Zach Harrison thing. Um, yeah. But I don't think that you can have, you know, Enough of those players. I and mean, then, like, you know, obviously we've seen, um, <clears throat> I think, like, with Knowles coming in you're not going to see some of the things we've seen in the past. I, I think you're going to see the best players on the field. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Hey, Zach decides to come back and he wants to bust his ass and like over, over, over winter and, and come back in, let Nikki get him all like, you know, even more jacked up and, and focus, because like, I feel like, you know, he was one of the most highly touted recruits coming out of like high school. And like, I mean, you know, he should have like if if he would have lived up to all the expectations and the hype, uh-huh. he would
0: have been gone last year. You know, it's you know interesting I mean? about but, Harrison, not to interrupt you, Chad, but since we're on no, the topic, no uh, you know, he, he has not, you know, we all we all put Chase Young expectations on Harrison, you know, Joey Bosa type expectations on him. But I'm looking at his pro football focus grade for the season. He's the only Ohio State defensive player that's graded over 80 for the season. He's Ohio State's number one graded defensive player this year. Wow. Um, 82 is his grade. Uh, he came up with what they call stop plays, 27 stops for Ohio State that leads Ohio State, or second, actually, on the team for Ohio State. Um, great athlete. I wonder if there might be a different role for Harrison than just a straight up edge rusher uh, at defensive end, you know, under Jim Knowles. Did you guys notice? And I, I went back and rewatched part of the game today on that long touchdown run by Cameron Rising. If you get a chance to watch that again, you'll see Zach Harrison Zach. comes all the way from back of the pack, galloping up ground, and he un- he actually he outruns Bryson <laughs> Shaw uh to rising yeah. he doesn't catch him but it's he's absurd at the absurd display of athleticism for Harrison so could there be a different role for him in Jim Knowles offense and if I'm Jim Knowles I mean that's what I do that's the first guy I sit down and talk to and say look here's what I'm going to do in my defense for you because he's got NFL level athleticism anyway sorry about that Chad. didn't mean to interrupt you but since we were on oh the topic,
2: no man I like I'm glad you brought that up because like I was watching that and I'm like, Jesus. And it doesn't even look, look, when you watch that, you watch him from the backside, it doesn't even look like he's moving that fast.
0: He's an unbelievable athlete. then when you realize athlete.
2: that he's passing Shaw, you're like, holy shit. I yeah, don't mean, remember that at all. Yeah. I mean, go I remember you got to go back but... and watch that PBH. I'll, I'll insane, find the dude. clip
0: and I'll I'll text it to you guys because uh, yeah, t- I, it wasn't until yesterday that I noticed that. And, and, you know, Rising was already gone for the touchdown. There was no way that Harrison was going to catch him, but... He outran our starting safety, which I don't know if that speaks too highly of Bryson Shaw. <laughs> Get right, run yeah, down by exactly. a defensive end. good but... thing or a bad thing. <laughs> well, he was rolling though, man.
2: <laughs>
0: oh, man. So rolling Sky- on New Year's. Rolling. So you know that well, buddy. Yeah, buddy. So sky's <laughs> the limit. I think we we agree. I mean, it's, I, I think we're all expecting, and it's reasonable to expect that with a full off season uh, and the talent that Knowles has at his disposal, uh, we're going to see, you know, a vast improvement from the defense. Okay, they might not be the number one defense in the country next year because, from what I understand, Knowles' scheme is pretty complex, and uh, you know it might take a while for, for for the kids to learn it. But I I think it's reasonable to expect leaps and bounds better uh, defensively than they were this year. Uh, the offense we've already gone through that what they have returning. You, I I defy anybody to find me. Uh, more offensive skill talent anywhere else in the country than what Ohio State is bringing back. Right. CJ Stroud's got the eye of the Tiger, man. I mean, you saw it in the Rose Bowl. And pages. as you said, if the game continues to slow down for him, watch out. And I, I think that someone we haven't mentioned because
2: we didn't see him on the field this year, but – I think he'll have a role next year because he was the number two um, running back, number one all-purpose running back coming out of high school, Evan Pryor. Oh, yeah. He's I going like to see CD. the field next year. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. I yeah. think that's
0: going to be a nice little piece for, for CJ as well. I agree. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing him as well. Yeah, for sure. And the last two guys, you and I talked about it, Zach.
1: Josh Proctor and Cam Brown. Oh, yeah. That
0: makes a big difference. Completely forgot difference. about that.
1: Josh Proctor.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. Brian Shaw's gots to go. He's got to go. You know,
0: you know what's interesting is Knowles <laughs> likes to play a lot with three safeties. He runs a 4-2-5. A and he, he likes to play a lot with three safeties. So that'll be interesting because we've already said it. You got Wisconsin and Iowa on the schedule and Michigan. Can you get away with playing four safeties against, you know, those type of offenses in the Big Ten? You can do it in the Big 12. It'll be interesting to see how Knowles modifies his approach for opponents like Iowa and Wisconsin. Mm. Maybe he doesn't. Do we? I'm looking
2: forward to him like um, having the uh, like a Jack Sawyer being like standing up and not being that you know putting the uh, the knuckles in the ground like you know having that kind of a rusher. I'm excited Uh, to see something like that too.
0: Yeah, will it be him or will it be you know somebody like Zach Harrison who's Probably, a yeah, better that's true. Good point. Yeah, right. he calls it the Jack position. I think we're going to call yeah. it the Jackie position to 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 honor UCP. CP. Uh, <laughs> Jackie. But page uh, Jackie Van Horn. I, I can't wait. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm really excited uh, about uh, about Knowles and and what that you know. I we're. It, it's it's time you know i mean dating all the way back to 2018 yes, it's God, been please. an abomination defensively i mean come on two million dollars
1: too man he better go, baby. <laughs> no
0: just what Paige loves just let's pay these
1: guys more let's give, some, let's, let's give al another let's give mickey another fucking million
0: <laughs> hey dude mickey's worth every penny well i think mickey's staying so who else goes because i have a feeling ryan day's not done yet and, and we're going to see at least one other defensive coach Move I mean, I who's I pray it going to be? That it's
2: Al Washington, I know I could give a shit. Like, I mean, I think Kerry combs is like he's a motivator. He's a, he develops players. I mean, look at the players he's put in the NFL. I don't think he's a defensive coordinator, no. But he is a player developer, and I, I, I'd i hate to see him go. Um, but Al Washington, take a please, yeah, he'll take a pickup.
0: Yeah, and uh, yeah, so if if Combs wants to stick around and and you know, coach the defensive backs, I'm all for it. He is a proven yep. commodity there. Uh, Al Washington, I think it's time for a change there. Please I think it's Lord, time for a new voice. What does he fucking do? Like literally, yeah. what does he do? Well, and and just to kind of have things play out, you know, the way that he's so publicly with Kayvon Pope. And uh, you know, I'm oh, not gonna my put, God right oh, I can't even believe half
2: the shit that these kids are saying yeah so uh, who yeah. was the other ones he, like it was KV Pope who just he was the second one to come oh Marcus Williams like uh, Williamson right. right
0: well yeah but he's not a linebacker he's yeah but
2: uh, he, well yeah but I mean they they all were talking about the culture and racing mm-hmm. and all this shit like just crazy
0: yeah well and that speaks to and maybe you, you, you that might happen when you fire the head of the defense or you demote the head of your defense mid-season right that there would right. <laughs> there's going to be some dissent. Uh, among the ranks, uh, which is what happened. So, yeah, I I think there's going to be at least one more change, and I'm hoping that it's they they replace Washington and they're able to convince Combs to stick around and coach the defensive backs. But we'll see. We'll see. Um, right, question. Yeah,
1: is Jim Harbaugh the coach at Michigan next year?
0: Nope. You think he's gone? Man, I don't know. So uh, I I'm going to say I'm going to say no because. He's been at Michigan seven seasons. That's This is his longest stop. Uh, I think he was in, what, Stanford for four, for four years. He was the Niners for four years. He likes to move around. There's a lot of good jobs open who have good quarterbacks, right? You got the Bears with Justin Fields. You got Jacksonville with uh, Trevor Lawrence. If he mm. wants to go back and coach now's in the, the NFL, time. now's the time because you, you could get a really, right? You need, you need that franchise quarterback, right? That's the number one. I think he goes. What do you think, Paige? 100%.
1: I think he's gone. And I think the biggest reason is I don't think anybody takes a 50% pay cut and and stomachs that well. And then you look at what these other guys are getting paid. Yeah. I think he's pissed. And I think, and you know, yeah, he he can leave with his head held high as well. That's a big factor too. Yeah. Yeah. And he also is probably looking at it going, yep, and I'm not going to probably beat these guys for the next four years. I think those three right.
2: reasons, he's he's out I of it. I'll yeah. go out on top. Like yeah. I mean, if, Ohio State one out of seven
0: times. Yeah. I mean, even like, if I can get past Ohio State, there's no way in hell I'm beating Georgia or Alabama. No. <laughs> I mean, they're just yeah, not recruiting at that silly, level. Right? Yeah. That's the that. – totally. Yeah. Okay. So, wow. We're all on record. He's out of there. Yeah, I think so. I Yeah. You, well, God, you started talking me there? into it the other day. Yeah, I, I think so. 100%. Wow. <laughs> Beat it, Jimmy. Beat <laughs> okay. It, next
1: question. Okay. Next.
0: Are we happy about that? Sure. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter to me who's coaching over there. Uh, you know, I mean, they got their win and congratulations. But Ohio State is still, you know, we're still talking about seventeen of the last twenty-one or whatever. And um, it, yeah, you they're know. talking about Matt Campbell possibly, or or what about uh, what about elevating their uh, their young offensive coordinator whose name escapes me, Josh Gattis. Josh Gattis. Oh yeah, that would be a horrifically bad idea. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. It would leave Michigan in the lurch for sure if he took off right now. I mean, who, who's would Luke Fickle take that job? No way. No, no, he's waiting for Blue. He's waiting for Ohio State. Yeah. Okay. If that ever yeah, comes if
1: around. they if they go with Gaddis or I've also heard Hart, I will just
0: I'll I'll laugh for a week. Right. <laughs> like, uh, <sighs> oh man, I tell you, Michigan fans getting pretty chesty after that win. They were flying a little close to the sun. I thought uh, yep. it's funny. I worked with a guy who. Uh, Also, a big college football fan. He stopped by, and uh, though he's not, you know, didn't have any skin in the game, you know, in Ohio State, Michigan, but he has a friend who's a big Michigan fan who bet him not only that Michigan would win the national championship, but he gave my buddy the field. He's like, (laughs) You get the field, I'm taking Michigan. And then he was like, Also, all in on Aiden Hutchinson winning the Heisman Trophy. <laughs> oh <laughs> it was just so my. funny. I mean, and, and but you saw it. I mean, Michigan fans and their players, everybody just flying a little too close to the sun. And and you heard it immediately after that game with the you know born on third base comment by uh, you know by Harbaugh and some of the other things that the Michigan players and coaches were saying. Um, would be pretty hilarious after all that. You get your after ass kicked by that. Georgia and your coach leaves. for the And NFL. by the <laughs> way, like I'm sorry. I haven't been that freaking giddy
1: watching a football game when Georgia just kicked the shit out of them. Play after play after. Oh, that was man, just it was ugly. pure New Year's Eve enjoyment. I- so... <laughs> Kudos to you, Michigan. You beat us on a, you know, blizzard one out of 18 years. Here's your reward, you sons of bitches. That was freaking boring. Might have been better than the only thing that eclipsed it was RW and, and because how that game turned out and that was entertaining as shit. Right. But it didn't matter what happened because I was so freaking happy watching them get embarrassed <laughs> on national championship. I was too. Or,
0: or national TV. That was awesome. What'd you guys think of the other semifinal? Um, is the takeaway that Cincinnati belonged? Uh, I, 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 you know, I don't. That wasn't my takeaway. I mean, you, you know, you, I, I you give up three hundred yards. I I'd on take the- that
2: away, but I, I,
0: I wouldn't say that they didn't belong. Yeah, I wouldn't say they didn't belong, and I wouldn't say they belonged either. I guess look at it this way: if you lose by three touchdowns, you give up three hundred yards rushing, and you barely eclipse two hundred yards of total offense yourself. If it's Ohio State, what are we saying about Ohio State? After that game, right? They're getting a lot of criticism. They got their ass kicked. Where do they go from here? You know, they don't belong. The, you know, there's a different, we're, we're grading Cincinnati on a different scale. I just like, it was totally predictable. There were a bunch of people that wanted Cincinnati in that game. They wanted to see something different. And I'm like, it's not going to be different. They're, they're going to get their ass kicked. And I know they kept it within, you know, they didn't get, they didn't get, they didn't lose 56 to, to three, but I wouldn't say they, really belonged either i mean that was not a very good running team uh you know bam no, if team, you watch that game they, it, it
1: was they, never, they had no
0: chance they had no they, chance
1: they, they they had no chance on both offensive and defensive line they were just they were just completely overmatched and the other big takeaway to me is college football has a big freaking problem on their hand because you know we are clearly probably the third best team you know like historically over the last 10 years and we're, and then there's nobody else. I mean, Clemson's fallen off a cliff. Like, what are you going to do about this? This is an issue with Alabama and Georgia just absolutely separating themselves from the pack. I mean, and you know we have our moments, but let's just be honest like we, we've been on that stage in the semifinals and you know gone home with our tails between our legs. And we're mm. Michigan State did it, Notre Dame does it, Cincinnati yeah. does it. And to your point, Zach, it's you know they're, they're gonna have to do something. And I don't know, expanding the playoff is even though I think it's going to happen, want it to happen, it's going to be better. Aren't you still just going to
0: end up with Alabama in the national championship? You you could. You might very well. I mean, you know, uh, if you have to go through an extra round to get to the championship game, it, it you know, it might make it more difficult. I, I think it, either way, it, it has to be more inclusive. Uh, otherwise, and I said this to you, Paige, uh, college football, this isn't this, this popularity isn't going to last forever. And I think you start losing fan bases and then you become a regional sport just like baseball has become um you have to include more schools more fans more fan bases in the playoff i mean how great would it have been if the rose bowl and the fiesta bowl on saturday were playoff semifinals yeah um and then i just think you have to be more inclusive you you really do and if we get the, if we end up at the same result you know with the alabama georgia championship game then so be it no, there's going to be some better.
2: Texas A&M is going to be a, a really good football team next year. There's what are they paying? A, a
0: million dollars for every five-star that signs with them? Yeah. Do we know what's <laughs> going on with that? Is that real? What What is happening with that? I mean, it's, it's, it's insane. A dude. million dollars in guaranteed NIL money. I mean, I don't think they're getting like an envelope of cash, but I mean, I think they're getting NIL but is opportunities. That,
1: is that real? Is that is that what happened? I mean, they just signed like it's 17 just what five-star players, right? Yeah. Something a lot
0: like. of big fucking players uh, yeah. down there in Texas. Oh, yeah. I, I don't know for sure exactly. I mean, I don't really pay that close attention to that program, but I mean, their recruiting class this season was notable. I mean, <laughs> yeah, like big time. Oh, my God. Um, but they'll fuck it up. Then. They
2: won't win national. <laughs> yeah. Fucking Jimbo's a fucking clown.
0: Well, I mean, as long as you're in the same division of the same me. conference as Nick Saban, Saban, I mean, you know, it's going to be tough. Yeah, good luck with that. Good luck with that. All right, fellas. Pretty good effort, I got to say. I like it. Good, good to be right. on, boys. Well, look, thanks so much for making the time. Why don't we, uh, you know, let's take a few weeks off. And then as as more Buckeye news pours in, uh, we can do another pod and, and talk about, uh, about what happens. You've been listening to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook and visit our website at southstandsosu.com.